Drunk Mythology Friends. I'm Kate. I'm Jen. And I'm the other Jen. And we're the Drunk, Drunk Mythology, Mythology Gals. Gals. <laughs> Gals. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for other Jen. Otherwise, we would have been insane. <laughs> I thought I had her, but she, that, you tricked me. I did. I didn't realize I was like going on on tune with with Kate. I was trying to, to be with you. <laughs> the Ravenclaw continues. It will never end. Never. It's too fun. <laughs> oh, I'm just sitting here. I need popcorn next time. Except Kim would probably kill me. Oh yeah, the crunch, crunch, crunch. I, know. I ate yeah. some like. I ate some tortilla chips before this, and I thought, oh, I can have those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We should do I a feel like I, Kim I, episode. I feel like I always walk a, a fine line with Kim of her, like, trying to strangle me with this microphone cord. <laughs> you know, it's it's not outside her capabilities. I'm just saying. <laughs> Daphne, uh, yeah, we did Book Expo America one year. Fun. And Kim and I convinced Daphne to... (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Yes. Larceny was involved. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Let's discuss our offerings to Odin. Oh. Okay. What are you suffering from? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a headache. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, slow drivers getting here, driving home. Funny you should slow. mention that. That's going to be an interesting thing to reflect on this episode. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I have a peanut butter sandwich. I don't know if the that region of the world appreciates peanut butter or not, because peanuts would not grow in that climate. I mean, nowadays they That's import not where it, they're, but they're natural, but they're, they they yeah. kind of look at it like we look at octopus. Like, interesting, probably delicious if you're raised on it, but what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I just have continuing uh, life <laughs> and. <laughs> complications thereof (laughs) living and complications that's my diagnosis yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh yeah Uh, me it's just uh, norse vimber it's just continual posts and retweets and messages and revising all of them involve odin so he's the cause of my suffering so i feel like it's a nice little circle there you go (laughs) it's perfect Speaking of Norse Vember, um, <clears throat> since, you know, our original Jen is completely swamped with her audiobook launch. Yes. And uh, you have a, by the time this is out, you will have a novella launch too, right? Yes. Yeah. So, you, <laughs> so you've got a novella launch. So, and this is Norse Vember. I'm trying to do what I do best. Be fucking kind and goddamn helpful. I know. Right. <laughs> Thank you. 
and how you ask or not, I'm going to tell you anyway. Well, I have been going down more rabbit holes than Bugs Bunny in a tinfoil hat on Oxycontin and finding all the little teeny tiny threads that connect the ancient Greek world with the ancient Nordic world. Oh, what? They exist. Wow. I mean, there aren't a lot, but there are some interesting ones. Yeah. And one of them today involves Amber. Who's Amber? (laughs) Not the girl who tormented you in middle school. Uh, I'm talking about like the fossilized tree resin shit. Uh huh. Cool. The, you know, Vikings like the women used to wear them as beads on their dresses. Yep. So, okay. Hold on to your butts because well, shit's going to get weird. <laughs> so appropriate. I have the vodka today. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm mixing Tylenol and vodka. <laughs> Do not uh, try this at home. <laughs> let's spare a moment for her liver. <laughs> hepatic function and i i went for the 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 sweeter um flavor profile oh, like that helps right <laughs> with the um the pinnacle whipped i i just i needed a little bit sweeter profile today so that's what i yeah. went with. um so. i'm drinking plum soju you're still on this soju kick mm-hmm and I, I have to tell you, like, soju, whatever they, the Koreans are doing with the manufacturer of soju needs to come over to America because none of their flavors have that nasty chemical aftertaste. It actually tastes like the fruit it's supposed to. Oh, alrighty. It's phenomenal. Okay. So, Yeah. The the plum soju is my highlight. <laughs> okay. I have my tepid water in my flamingo cup. Yay. Not that exciting. Before, though, I did have a drinkable yogurt. A drinkable yogurt. Yeah. It's like these little like smoothie yogurt things that you can get. Okay. Like kefir almost? Almost, yeah. But it's yogurt. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> Fenrir would probably approve. Oh, he'd almost because it's not vegan. Oh, so, it right. is dairy. Yeah. But well, not be, everybody be can be a vegan. I mean, no, you know. No, not everyone's perfect. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Fenrir. So. And fenders. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, as uh, last night, we published went live i'm not sure the right word to use with merchandise new Um, merch we put up a holiday mug and it has fenrir on it and kate is like cursing herself for giving me the passwords to (laughs) design and upload merch and stuff and she's like i mean you had the merch person merch password i just gave you the password to canva and i'm like god damn it (laughs) i had to create a whole folder of jen needs a playground of her own (laughs) right (laughs) like jesus i've created a monster monster so yeah so we have a an 
a limited time holiday mug up in our store. Go check it out. You can just go to our website, drunkmythologygals.com and click on the word merchandise and that'll get you there. And Go look for the absolutely adorable Fenrir holiday mug. Yeah, I need to buy it. <laughs> yeah, you do. It is yeah, so, so the Fenrir holiday mug, or if you're just a grumpy bitch like me, you can also get the fuck the Romans mug for your <laughs> significant other for Christmas or solstice or Hanukkah yeah. because fuck the Romans. <laughs> they fucked up all those holidays. Or was it Saturnalia? Yeah, well, oh, we'll, we'll get to Saturnalia. Oh, yes, we will. Is that an episode? Oh, that's, it's that's where you're going to have the vomit collectors. If you remember me asking about that, they also had them there. Okay, nice. All yeah. right, you had to have someone clean up. Look, it's just like New Year's Eve. I mean, come on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I so, think we should get our disclaimer going. <laughs> do yeah. Do not drink and drive cars, chariots, eight-legged horses. Fen rear mugs, vomit collectors <laughs> at a Saturnalia. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I don't let's think I'm gonna keep going with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm cutting you off right there. <laughs> I love that I'm not even the one drinking. <laughs> right. <laughs> one day though. One day. Yeah, yeah. So let's get started. A long time ago when the world was young. Okay, so in order to get back to the um, time where I could kind of have the ancient Greek cultures running into the ancient Nordic cultures, we're never going to have like Socrates crossing paths with a Viking because there's like, you know, 1500 years between between all of that. Yeah. But there were very clearly um, Neolithic and, you know, uh, Neolithic settlements in uh, Scandinavia. <laughs> okay, what's Neolithic? Uh, so Neolithic is New Stone Age, and it's, it's kind of like 5,000-ish BCE to about 2,000 BCE. Um. Around 2000 BCE, we just start to find a lot more stuff surviving. We we become a lot more familiar with, you know, various cultures. The world begins to resemble a wee bit more the world we know. Um, that's not to say that, you know, you don't have cultures like um, <clears throat> ancient China, ancient India, uh parts of Africa that go back to 10,000 and have a long flourishing established, you know, empire. But Wow, right, right. Right now, um I'm kind of narrowing us to about a 1500 year period between 2000 BCE and 500 BCE. Okay. So, 500 BCE, the the 5th century BCE is when we get classical Athens. It's when you have Socrates and you have, you know, the building of the Parthenon. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's oh. the height. It's kind of this, the moment in time that was snapshotted for the stereotype of Greece, ancient Greece. 
Okay. Okay. So in the ancient Norse regions, um, because, you know, they didn't really divide it into Sweden, Norway, and Finland, they, you know, were all just a much more homogeneous, um, you know, nomadic culture. But then they started to, you know, engage in agriculture or an animal husbandry and settle down. And they, um, even from the get-go, they were super famous for seafaring and traveling. And so, you know, it's not a Viking culture as we would know it, but it's definitely much more, um, it's more like what we would think of with, you know, an ancient Northern European culture with like little round houses and huts and, you know, stone huts and things like that. Um, I'm not an expert in that time period in that part of the world. I know there were a lot of peat bogs. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And they found people in the peat bogs. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Do I want to ask what a peat bog is? It's a bog with peat in it. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to Google what the hell peat is? <laughs> it, it's Ooh. like it's, it's, peat it's is? De- decayed tree matter yeah. almost. Yeah. Exactly. Oh. They would use it. It It's kind of like coal except it's it's wet. Ew. So they would actually burn peat in places instead of coal. Okay. So it's just right. this, Yeah, it's a lot of carbon. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things got preserved in there, intentionally and unintentionally. So anyway. Um, so one of the big things that kind of brought that region of the world into contact with um, civilizations that were, you know, a couple hundred, maybe a thousand years ahead in terms of development, because remember, human diaspora and settlement, uh, you know, started in Africa and then spread out. So by the time they got to, you know, Scandinavia, um, you know... Greece had been settled for a long time. That part of the Mediterranean had been settled for a very, very long time. Um, But they had a lot of resources. They had amber. They had tin. Tin is required in metallurgy for making, I I think it's required for making bronze because bronze is tin and copper together, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Live Google that shit. Anyway. I'm on it. So I'm going to talk about Amber because it is the one thing that like, you know, you can almost follow a chain of it through trade all the way from Scandinavia down into Africa. And so I'm going to start with 10 quick things about Amber. This is not a Professor Kate segment. It's just- Really? Really? Yeah, it isn't. You just it's said just, 10 quick things. Yeah, because you should know actually what it is and why we care. That's what a professor would say. Okay. So uh, bronze, an alloy traditionally composed of copper and tin. For the some, win! Some modern bronzes contain no tin at all, substituting in aluminum, manganese, or even zinc. But historically, copper and tin. Mm-hmm. Closing the tab. There you go. <clears throat> so, um, Amber 
as most people, but not everybody knows, is fossilized tree resin. I did not know that. Yeah. Amber is, it's considered a gem, but it is not a gem stone. Cool. Yeah. It's fossilized tree resin. There are five classes of amber based on color. Don't ask me what they are. I didn't go that far down the rabbit hole. Um, (laughs) But the amber that we are most familiar with, like that deep sort of tea honey color amber is called Baltic amber. And it's from the Baltic Sea region. Ta-da! And if you scroll a little bit, I have a not-to-scale picture of different kinds of Baltic amber. It goes from like deep, deep espresso brown to drop of chamomile honey. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yeah, it's yeah. Lots of colors and variations there. The the one thing that was interesting that I found that I could understand about the chemical process of amber resin becoming amber, it's called polymerization. So like, you know how plastics are polymers? Mm -hmm. It basically goes through the same polymerization process. And the older the amber, the more polymerization. So it has like all these crackles through it. So the more crackles, the older. Oh, that's interesting. I can hear your sarcasm yeah. from here. Don't even, Jen. Those days. Anyway, so amber comes from the Agathis genus of evergreen trees that are part of a larger ancient conifer family that is pretty much extinct everywhere except Japan. And you guessed it, Australia. Oh. And this family of trees was everywhere, um, mostly during the Jurassic and Cretaceous periods. So remember Jurassic Park? Mm-hmm. The mosquito in amber? <gasps> oh, right. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So aside from that mosquito in amber, and no, they have not been able to extract dinosaur DNA from any <laughs> mosquito trapped in amber yet. <laughs> Never know, but uh, they uh, Amber will capture everything from little frogs to oh yeah. There's it captured one species, and I will accept your thanks for not putting the picture of it in there. An ancient insect that was a cross between a hairy spider and a scorpion. Oh, oh fuck gosh. no! <laughs> Thank yes. you. Yeah. Um, You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, Amber has a hardness of 2.0 to 2.5 on the Mohs scale of hardness. So, I mean, you've heard like a diamond is 10 on the scale. It's like the hardest substance, natural substance. Right. So tin and ice are at about a one and gold is about a three. So that kind of gives you a sense of where Amber is on the... um, Okay. Yeah. Density and hardness scale. So the coolest thing I found while doing this research, blue amber. Alrighty. I, I know. Didn't know that it's existed. like two words. I'm like, that's, that's, that my, my gr- inner grammar dominatrix is like convulsing. <laughs> <laughs> it has only been found in the Dominican Republic. 
And in artificial light or indoor light, it looks like ordinary amber. But in sunlight, it fucking turns blue. That's so interesting. No way. Yeah, I included a picture, another not to scale picture. Yeah, thank you. Of blue fucking amber. That's really cool. This is the the color of blue is so vibrant and bright. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a gorgeous blue. And it only turns like that in sunlight. That is so cool. Right? And it, it, you know, like there's a rare, like one little teeny tiny chemical difference that causes this. And they've really only found it in the Dominican Republic, specifically in the, um, around the uh, city of Santiago. Fascinating. Right? Okay. Yeah. So most of the amber that we're used to seeing, like in jewelry, is about 90 million years old or younger. Oh. I don't know why that is. All right. That's what I found. The oldest amber that has been found to date is 320 million years old. And it was discovered in 2009 in an Illinois coal mine. Because that's where you would find it. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm like, what? Okay. Right. Um, all right. So far, the earliest amber jewelry we have found dates to 11,000 BCE in England, and it was a couple of amber beads. Okay, so that's interesting. So this is, if I scroll back and look at your time window that we're working at, mm-hmm. that's kind of almost right in the middle of the time period that no, you want to No, it's about 8,000 years, 9,000 years No, wait, what? Earlier. <laughs> oh, damn, there's an extra zero. Yeah. <laughs> I've been looking are, at numbers you, all day. Are you an accountant? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, listen, I balanced $8 million worth of transactions going in and out today to the fucking penny. <laughs> to the penny. And hence the headache hun- and the vodka. <laughs> exactly. Hundreds and hundreds of transactions in and out. Yes. To the penny. Thank you. Yeah. Hear me rattle my ice cubes. <laughs> Carry I on. Think, I think even Kim will give you a pass on that one. <laughs> so amber was thought to be powerful medicine in basically every ancient culture where uh, amber has been found um, in terms of either natively or, um, you know, their via trade. So... Uh, I copied this quote verbatim just because there was so much in it that I was like, oh, I don't have the time to like bullet point out all the things. But basically, a lot of people would wear it uh, as, you know, a charm in a little bag, but a lot of people would wear it against their skin. Um, So some Parents, even today in Baltic regions like Latvia, Lithuania, places like that, will buy their children Baltic amber necklaces with the belief that it helps prevent the pain of teething. Um, so there's no scientific double-blind peer-reviewed study that actually confirms this, 
But there is a small amount of research that suggests that succinic acid, Noreen, I'm sorry if I said that wrong, don't hit <laughs> your steering wheel, uh, which is found in Baltic amber may be beneficial. However, it's a question of how much amber would you have to rub against your skin <laughs> uh, right. to get any kind of benefit from, you know, to get the amount of acid you would need to get the benefit. So uh, it's also believed that amber could help labor progress, protect against snake bites, and it contained protection against evil forces and witchcraft and gout. Gotta be careful of those things. You know, amber is pretty cool, I guess, especially if you don't want any witches around. Personally, I'd be like, no, I'm, I'm cool. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Um, I'll take the snake bite protection though. <laughs> and okay, here's our little moment of etymology. We get the Yay! word electricity from amber. What? How? Around 600 BCE, Thales of Miletus discovered that after rubbing a piece of amber with silk, feathers, hair, and other things will stick to it. Basically, he discovered static electricity. Yeah. He called it electron because of the golden color of the stone, which reminded him of the word elector, which means bright sun and refers to the myth of Phaeton. And that's where we get the word electricity. Wow. The word we use for amber today comes from. Arabic, anbar. And yeah, I don't, there, there's a bridge there that I, I, my, my GPS did not take me there. So anyway, <laughs> that's a little bit of etymology that I was like, Ooh, I didn't know I was going to get into electricity today. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so you've heard of the Silk Road from no. China to Europe in the Middle Ages. It was the major trade route. Oh, well, there's okay. the Amber Road, which is the um, prehistoric and ancient trade routes from the Baltic Sea down to the Italian peninsula and down into ancient Greece, Turkey, Egypt, Africa, etc. Okay. And if you scroll... Um, so it's actually really hard to find any kind of sensible map that shows the amber route because it's it's theorized, it has some evidence, but it's not a hugely popular subject. Like, okay. I haven't been able to find a lot of sources, and the sources I have found have been in um, Latvian and Hungarian. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I I love you guys and I love researching shit, but I I just don't feel I can't do the Google Translate on this one. So anyway, there is uh Amber featured largely in a prominent Norse myth, and I bet OG knows this one, the necklace of the Brissings. Yeah. And Freya doing some nasty shit to get her hands on an amber necklace. Oh, yeah. 
We need yes. this episode. <laughs> yes, we do. But we're going to save that because we're doing Greek Norse Vember. Oh, good grief. That's right. So I'm going to remember how uh, uh, Thalas of Melita Miletus was like, oh, this reminds me of the sun. And it's related to the myth of Phaeton. Well, I'm going to tell you the myth of Phaeton. Oh. So we're actually getting a myth today? You are getting a goddamn Greek myth in Norse member. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but I did bring the Baltic thread in. I'm just you saying. You did. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so oh. the myth of Phaeton is basically an object lesson in why car insurance for teenage boys is so expensive. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so Phaeton was the son of Helios, who is the god of the sun, and the Oceanid, who's basically an ocean nymph, named Clymene. She is also known as Merope, but whatever, because again, there's confusion. I'm not even I'm not even in the mood to go into like all the permutations of this origin story. So just, you know, he could ah. be Helios's grandson. He could be the son of Clymene and some guy named Merope, even though Clymene is also known as Merope. I don't know. But basically, most sources agree that Phaeton is the son of the sun. (laughs) His name means shining or bright. And given that he's the son of the sun, and I will never get tired of saying that, it makes (laughs) sense. (laughs) Uh, so helios and clymene had seven or three daughters depending on whatever um in addition to phaeton and these girls were actually nymphs and known as the heliades after helios although they could have been known as the clymenides but no why would name them after their mother anyway um Phaeton was an annoying little arrogant shit. Surprise! He's he was Greek, also- <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. He was also really ambitious and thought he was capable of more than he actually was. Double surprise! Yeah. <laughs> he had just gotten his learner's permit when he decided he wanted to drive his father's chariot of the sun across the sky. Basically, that's like a kid going from his tricycle or maybe even just like a single speed bike to, you know, going down the sidewalk on a nice sunny afternoon to trying to drive a fucking Maserati through an ice storm down the central artery at rush hour in Boston. Nice. There is the driving reference for you. (laughs) Gotcha. And dad Helios, in another surprising incidence of A-plus divine parenting, was like, uh, no, no fucking no. (laughs) But Phaeton whined and begged and cajoled his mom and sisters to get his dad to relent. And they did. Boy, did they. They wept and begged and whipped out seven or three pairs of puppy eyes. And mom probably cut some deals behind the scenes, too. Just saying. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, Helios was a busy god. He didn't have time for this shit. After all, it wasn't like he could take a vacation or be late to work. 
a couple times he was late coming back from his coffee and cigarette break. And that's when you got an eclipse and look how it freaked the humans the fuck out then. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you just can't go <laughs> doing that shit. He had things to do. So probably against his better judgment. And we have all been there with that person who will not let you get on with your day until you give them what they want, even though it's not the thing to do. Uh, he gave Feton the keys to the chariot. Oy, oy, oy. Feton got in, cranked up the music, rolled the windows down, and launched the chariot into the sky. This is not going to go well. It is not going to go well. Um, There are four horses on the chariot, and they have names. And I forgot to write uh, them down, but they're basically like blaze and light and fire. Nice. (laughs) They're like... you mean like a really comet and Blitzen? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, sounds like uh, Santa's uh, reindeer. Yeah. Yeah, If they were fabulous, fiery, and Greek. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I could tie that into Norse mythology, but I won't. (laughs) (laughs) So remember the Maserati on sleet? Yeah. Well, the horses pulled his chariot. The horses that pulled the chariot were fiery in more ways than one. They were super temperamental and hard to control. And I know the feeling. The first time I went from driving a little four-cylinder, don't make it go over 40 if you actually want to get anywhere, to getting behind the wheel of a 12-cylinder little sports model, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. We've all had that like, oh, shit moment. Yeah. Um, so, surprise, Feetin lost control of the chariot. Of course. The problem just- wasn't so much about getting into like a divine fender bender. It was the yeah. fact that this was the chariot of the sun and he was about to crash it into the earth, setting it on fire briefly before destroying it. Oh my God. Thank you, you know, for this like picture. the sun crashing into the earth. <laughs> I just scrolled through the notes yeah. to the next picture. I know. That's why that's what I've been snickering about like the past <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> so yes, this great, is a great edit. There is a <laughs> Oh, I know why she did this. I I know why she chose this too. Um so there's a video, a merchandise unboxing video where mm-hmm. me, other Jen. <laughs> total noob <laughs> i i do this whole thing with my daughter videotaping videotaping recording it on my phone <laughs> and i am like blatantly showing the box with the shipping label and my home address <laughs> so i had to blur out <laughs> except the frame. brain didn't go very well Frame by frame by frame by frame, blur out my the shipping label on the box, and I used exactly what Kate has used here. <laughs> yeah. So Fenrir is now our little um, censor, sens- happy censorship tag. Yes. <laughs> but basically, there's a rather <laughs> stunning image painting of Phaeton driving the Chariot of the Sun done by Domenico Riccio in 1558 at the Palazzo uh, Chiaricati in uh, the Veneto region of Italy. 
And if you scroll down one more, you'll see the entire ceiling fresco. Oh, wow. And that is Celine, goddess of the moon, and her chariot trying to catch up to him to save him. Oh. But the moon can never catch the sun. Oh, wow. So this next little bit is possibly a little charged. I mean, we already know mythology is horrible, but yeah. This this can so easily be taken the wrong way, even though I don't think it was meant that way from an actual contextual reading of, you know, the, the myth. But just hold it in and we will get to it in questions and shit. So Phaeton and the chariot were falling out of control. And this was somewhere over Ethiopia. And the heat from the sun chariot basically charred the skin of the Ethiopians, and that's why their skin was a different color. Okay. I know. I I know. It All right. It is and it isn't what you think it might be. But anyway, yeah. we're, we're, we'll get to that in questions and shit. Just know that okay. these are not the views of this podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yep. All right. So now I want you to picture in your mind every lonely country road state trooper stereotype you can think of. The hat, the mirrored aviator sunglasses, the drawl. I'm totally, I've got Smokey and the Bandit. (laughs) Y'all know how fast we're going there. Oh, I mm. yeah, smoking the bandit. Yeah, hello. Yeah, that's that's yeah, my y'all know my how demogra. fast you were going there, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, are you aware that this is a twenty-five zone? We're going twenty-eight. <sighs> yeah. So now imagine Zeus as that state trooper, <laughs> because yeah, that's what happened. Zeus saw Phaeton doing four hundred and eighty-three thousand miles per hour in a 30 zone and also from the flames it was clear that the engine gauge had shot all the way up into the red meaning it was about 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit or 5,500 degrees Celsius um, <laughs> so clearly he needed to pull the kid over before he flipped the chariot into the oncoming traffic lane and like blew up the galaxy Right. so Zeus threw a thunderbolt basically what? the divine equivalent of spike strips oh <laughs> Except the thunderbolt basically incinerated Phaeton. <gasps> yeah, sorry. Just kind of turned out that way. You know oh that charring god. thing? Yeah. Phaeton got charred. Oh my god. And he fell to earth, landing in the water, and his mother went and found his bones, and that's a whole other wool story, um, because the people who wrote these myths, like, took a lot of time describing Phaeton on fire. I'm just saying. And his sisters, all three or seven of them, were so distraught. And this made Zeus feel kind of (laughs) awkward. So he turned them into poplar trees. Oh, my word. (laughs) Oh, my. Sorry about your brother. Here, you can be a poplar tree. Oh, my God. 
Still, they wouldn't stop crying, but now their tears came out as amber resin. Oh. The fucking end. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So, we'll be right back after this with questions and shit. We now return to the Drunk Mythology Gals for part two, questions and shit. So, we all have questions. (laughs) Or maybe just rage. And before we get to like the weirdly charged part of it, I actually would like to do a bigger episode on Phaeton um, because part of the story of his parents meeting is actually kind of hot. Oh, Yeah. Like for once I wasn't feeling the urge to vomit, <laughs> which clearly makes it hot, but it also involves Atlas, Selene, a bunch of other gods, like, and there's also a version by Ovid. Oh. Okay. <laughs> That's not the hot version, I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so today's maybe, not the day for that day. Maybe a Patreon or just a whole nother episode. Whole other episode, yeah. All right. I got endless shit. Okay. So, do you remember Volkswagen came out with a luxury model called the Phaeton? Nope. No. So no. the Volkswagen made a super high-end luxury model called the Phaeton. And it was made from 2002 to 2016. And at first I thought it was just referencing like the, you know, Regency England little buggy that you know was so scandalous little going around in a little phaeton with ponies around the park or whatever um but then i read the myth and i'm like what the fuck did no one actually check the myth behind the name like who names a high-end car after some guy who dies in a fiery crash (laughs) someone who just like googled like cool greek myth names for cars and that's what popped up yeah, that's okay. I am yeah. live Googling this cool Greek myth <laughs> names for cars. Let's see. That would be funny if that popped up. Right? Uh, the, uh, okay, interesting. Uh-oh. Oh, no, that's best cars for Greek gods. Never mind. Um, <laughs> the mythical beings that inspire car names. I don't know. Anyway, I. I, I okay, yeah, Phaeton is the first one. Yeah. There you go. That's why. Uh, okay. Their version is uh he has to drive his dad's chariot that carried the sun across the sky but failed and had to be shot down by Zeus. As a car, the Volkswagen Phaeton is cumbersome and expensive, a solid and spacious build. Seriously? What a stretch. Yeah. So there was also the Electra. I think you had an intern that trolled all the executives with his knowledge and the executives' lack of knowledge. Probably. Yeah. Like, uh, you're not paying me enough. (laughs) Uh, uh, Yeah. Um, So the Buick made a car named the Electra. And we all remember the Mercury. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Nissan made a Titan pickup truck. Really, that's considering most of the Titans ended up locked up. And I don't know if that's a really good choice. Um, The Honda Odyssey. Oh, right. It's a a minivan. minivan. Would you really want to name a car after a ship where pretty much everybody but one guy dies on the journey home? (laughs) That's, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You can see (laughs) no one actually like researches this stuff. (laughs) I know. I'm like, really? But then again, driving a minivan full of kids may feel like a 10-year journey home. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's clearly the inspiration. They didn't stop to consider that like every stop through Burger King or Dairy Queen or uh, whatever, you have to kill one of the kids and throw them out the... Oh my gosh. I'm a terrible person. This See, is where I am today. This this is why they really should use a name like like Sleipnir. That would have been a better car. That actually would make sense. And that right? actually works. But it does not. I Only guess, if it um, was in an eight cylinder. Yeah. Well, it has eight. It is an eight cylinder. It has eight legs, right? See, it's a perfect car name. <laughs> it goes fast. It goes fast. It can go anywhere. People don't die who ride it. So, like, it's great. They can I also understand. call it Falcon. <laughs> and make it a convertible. See, they need these car manufacturers need to go away from the Greek and go to the north. That's all I'm saying. Or, you know what? Let's just go straight Aztec with the names we can't pronounce. Yeah. <laughs> And and in ritual sacrifice, is that? Yeah, pretty much. Like, I'm sorry, did you want this car to start? I'm going to require three virgin hearts if you want to get to Walmart today. (laughs) I want that to be a short story now. (laughs) Oh my God, the gods transmuted into car brands. Oh dear. God damn it. Are we going to have to write this for a Patreon? I think so. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) So, there is still the question of, you know, the scorching of the Ethiopians. It's clearly loaded, especially today. And there is no question that ancient Greek society was blatantly and proudly misogynistic, xenophobic, and racist. Yeah. But there is actually a lot of um, genuine scholarly inquiry into, you know, how exactly their, you know, their prejudices not just evolved, but where and how they were directed and expressed. So, you know, there is the thought that this story could be a holdover from, you know, prehistoric people's attempt to explain different skin colors. Like, if you look at most mythologies, especially in cultures where they have encountered, you know, uh, different continents, color skin, you know, facial features, whatever, like, 
there is some kind of uh, attempt to explain the difference. You know, right? Everybody has, you know, ten fingers, ten toes. But you know, how is it that you know one's brown, one's white, one's you know, you know, it's just yeah. When you don't I have actually, science, I have a genuine scientific curiosity mm-hmm. of what is the what's the what is the history where where did this spectrum come from oh that's gonna be a good deep dive from like a genuine scientific Mm -hmm. i guess there's uh well you know what i I don't know yeah well you know melanin in the skin right it's what allows you to tan Right. So, I mean, but what is it that has individuals starting at different uh, color schemes? I, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, what I mean, happened, from, you know, going all the way back, obviously, we have DNA and, you know, we're all going to resemble our parents that contributed the DNA to us. Yeah. But go all the way back. Yeah, How, and I actually have read a lot about this because it comes into play with a lot of the archaeological discussions about this stuff. And so, you know, first of all, it turns out that the human tree is not like one solid trunk. It's like six right. trunks that kind of like twisted yeah. together. Yeah. And the one surviving one is what we came from. But there are hundreds of of human variations that evolved before, you know, it kind of settled on us for better or worse. Okay. Yeah. And, we need a deep dive on this. Yeah. And find basic, us an expert. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it has to do with, um, survival evolution. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, to get back to the ancient Greeks, you know, uh, I, from everything that I read in terms of the actual primary source transcriptions of these myths, I didn't see anything that was a judgment or value laden about this resulting skin color. It was just kind of a throwaway fact like, oh, well, that's how the Ethiopians look different from us. Um. And there's actually an Ethiopian version of the myth that claims that Phaeton was an Ethiopian prince. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, you know, there are a lot of sources, including Homer and Diodorus of Sicily and, you know, a lot of others that give off indications that the ancient Greeks regarded the Ethiopians with respect, I mean, as much respect as they could muster for anyone who wasn't from their own little particular city-state. And many of the gods, stories of the gods, like, take place in Ethiopia, and it's actually seen as a very sacred land in Greek mythology. So... Okay, that's fascinating. Yeah. So that's kind of why I want to go deeper into this myth, because, you know... yeah. I remember having to do a paper on, you know, the academic debate about the nature, you know, the uh, 
racial and ethnic makeup of Hellenistic Egyptians, because all we have left, you know, now that we have DNA, it's different. But when I was doing this paper, we didn't have so much DNA (laughs) stuff. But, you know, we had artistic representations, but we know, you know, uh, artistic representations are mm, at best. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's a caricature? What's an accurate representation? So much to deal with it. But anyway, yeah, it, it's a loaded question, but there's also just genuine academic curiosity to try and get to the bottom of, you know, why did they say this? How did how did they mean it? You know, what really right. was their perception? Yeah. So, um, but finally, to bring this back, uh, to bring this flaming Maserati of a dumpster fire (laughs) back to Norse Vember. Oh, gee, are you still there? Yes. Okay. Just lately, given, you know, I I just wanted to make sure. (laughs) I'm just letting you guys like live Google and talk and yeah, I'm I'm here. Okay. Um, but <laughs> while the main myths say that Phaeton fell to earth and uh, basically was quenched <laughs> in the river Eridanus near Athens, other versions say he fell to earth near the Rhone River or even for the further north near the Baltic Sea, which is where all that ancient amber came from. So the Heliades turned into poplar trees on the Baltic Sea, and that's where we get the amber. So there, yeah. Very interesting. Fascinating. Yeah. It was a nice little, like, going around my ass to get to my elbow for Norse Vember. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) I'm I'm trying to be fucking supportive here. You are, and I appreciate it. (laughs) Only you could say that with a straight face. <laughs> I was being genuine. I know. <sighs> okay, Kate, you drunk? How you doing? Did you take any sips of the soju? Oh, I, I'm. I finished the bottle. Oh, but I'm not drunk. Yeah, Sujo I've... is low and slow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. What you're hearing is just my rage. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got so content with the, the Tylenol that I took kicking in. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't pick up my cup enough, so I'm picking it up now. Um, oh, there you go. Big drink. There. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> She's thinking of living large and going for another yogurt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Drinkable yogurt. Yeah. And I've been eating on my peanut butter sandwich. I'm hoping I keep leaning away from the microphone enough that Kim does. I didn't Kim hear does... anything, but then again, I, Kim yeah. has, Kim will probably be like, who is smacking peanut butter? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like l- watching her live comment on Discord as she listens to and produces our episodes is the hi- one of the highlights of my week. Yes, it's yeah. always gold. Yeah. Solid gold. Yes. 
Yeah. She's either calling us names or... Cackling hags. Yes. We are Kim's <laughs> cackling hags. <laughs> or she's like, oh, well, she's like going professor mode on her own and mm-hmm. commenting mm-hmm. as she listens. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That article on the uh, sunken ship. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the way, uh, for anybody who has been considering dabbling in our Patreon, you know, at the $3 level, you can get access to our Patreon episodes. And the reason I'm saying that right now is because this Friday's episode is related to Amber and it's a true unsolved mystery from World War II. And it has everything. It has Nazis. It has sunken ships. It has conspiracy theories. Oh, fun. It's going to be amazing. All righty. So, yeah, I'm just saying. (laughs) And then I guess I'm reaching for next week's teaser. Yeah. So I'm going to take over again because I know you're doing your Norsefember thing. Yeah. Wearing your little horned helmet and all that. Um, And I'm going, I I told you I found multiple little threads of how the Greeks and the ancient Nordic lands interacted. So I'm going to steal your (laughs) thunder with something called the Greek runestones. Or that time a bunch of ancient Vikings left graffiti on some monuments down in Greece. They would do that. They would. (laughs) <laughs> and I will have transcriptions of the graffiti as well. That's great. <laughs> I'm sure it was uh, not at all vulgar. Not in the least. <laughs> so if you want to catch next week's episode, as well as this Friday's episode, don't forget to add yourself to our social media scrolls on Instagram at Drunk Mythology Gals. On Twitter at Drunk Myth Gals. On Facebook at Drunk Mythology Gals. Or on the web at drunkmythologygals.com. And don't forget, you can get the 2021 year one of the podcast. Yes. Limited edition Fenrir, festive Fenrir mug. Yes. Go at least go look at it. It is so fucking so cute. So stinking cute. <laughs> festive Fenrir. Yeah. Ah, oh, and it will not be available forever. It will eventually get retired. And mm-hmm. Then it'll be a collector's item. <laughs> That's right. You know, if you're ever like 25 cents short for your small latte at Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. No. It's yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Yep. So we so have that's... a Patreon address. Yes, yeah, patreon.com slash drunk mythology gals. There you go. And we have email. We have two freaking email addresses because I haven't forwarded. forwarded. Yeah. I just it's it's so low on the priority list. <laughs> <laughs> I look so, forward to you saying it for the next six months. <laughs> right. So email us at the new one, gals at drunkmythologygals.com. <laughs> I will keep checking both accounts. <laughs> and special thanks to Sound Effects Kim for putting the top spin on our sound. And thanks again to all of you for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating or review, 
and tell your friends and family about us, especially if any of them have kids who want to borrow your car and they're like, I'll totally bring it back in one piece. I'm just going to go pick up milk. Mom said she needed milk. Like, yeah. And she only likes the milk that's at the Whole Foods that's like 22 miles away. She only goes to that one. And I'll be back in like a couple hours. Bye. (laughs) Finally, always remember, if the gods can behave badly, so can you. 